and welcome back to another, another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shapworst. With me is Vinny Tadaro. And um, we're now uh, about 10 days away from the, the 2021 draft. So we're going to talk um, a little bit about kind of our you know finalized big board kind of projections for the Cowboys in the definitely the first round other other uh you know rounds what what players they should be targeting um based on what we've we've researched um also want to talk about some of the some of the news with potential free agents who um you know supposedly had interest in the Cowboys and were met with a frosty reception from our front office supposedly um but as always we'll start off with a trivia question this week it is Vinny asking me the question, so go, uh, go right ahead, Vinny. All right. This player put off his Dallas Cowboys debut because he was in the military. It's not Roger Stallback. <laughs> okay. Um, is it Chad Henning? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Chad Henning. Hennings, okay. Yeah. Ed Hennings, okay. Yeah, that's wow. that's all. The extent of military cowboys for me is Roger Staubach and Chad Hennings. So. Oh, Chad wow. Hennings. All right, I'm gonna have to come up with something harder <laughs> next time. All right. Um. Well, uh, so yeah, I want to start off before diving into the draft. There was a article from. Uh, I think the Dallas uh, Telegram, Dallas, you know, fairly reputable source. I think it was Clarence Hill was the writer that said that the Cowboys had, you know, had multiple cornerbacks, A.J. Bouye and Malcolm Butler specifically, uh, reach out to the Cowboys wanting to play for the Cowboys, having some interest in playing, and basically being met with, mm, we, we don't want to pay you kind of thing. And and it's one thing if, like, there's another article by your, your guy, uh, Mike, Mike Fisher, where he said uh, he threw Patrick Peterson into this group, and, and there was slight buzz about Patrick Peterson, but it doesn't sound as definitive. But... I view that a little separately because Patrick Peterson got ten million a year. He's still got kind of the name recognition. Uh, I didn't. I don't think he's worth nearly ten million a year. So that's one thing. But AJ Bouye, who I don't like as much as a player, but he got three and a half million a year from um, I think Carolina, and then Malcolm Butler. I forget who he ended up going with. But he got less. He got three point two five million a year. He went to the Cardinals. See, actually, I think that's a a better trade off for the Cardinals. They lost Patrick Peterson, who's been kind of on the downslide. Maybe he'll be a, a decent safety. But um, and you replace him with Malcolm Butler, and and that's that's the one that really frustrates me because if we had gotten him, even even if he didn't take a, a further discount, which the article suggested he did. Malcolm Butler for three and a quarter million dollars is such a good deal. That that one even 
blows Jason Verrett out of the water, which which had been kind of the the poster child deal that you know would have been ideal. Um, Malcolm Butler has has no injury history. He's you know thirty one, but he's he's never really had a bad season. He's been just solid. He he obviously has the memorable Super Bowl play, which really he had a great game. People, if you want to put him pigeonhole in just that one play, I think you're doing a disservice. But regardless, just a solid player. And at that price, I mean, you've got to make that move. It, you When you've got a glaring hole at cornerback, well, look, it's Dallas ridiculous. Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys don't know what the hell they're doing. They just spin around you can see the hype. Some of it's obvious. Some of it's subtle. It's all over the media. All right. They're trying to build up the Cowboys into some kind of some something much better than they actually are. The Cowboys are Jerry Jones is the biggest clown, most incompetent man in professional sports. And what they should have done is what they should do is open up more cap space so they could sign some real players instead of the garbage that they've signed. Yeah. Or they should have gotten rid of Tyrone Smith's broken down ass, Jalen Smith's lazy ass, all right, and they could have signed more players that way, real players. Okay, like the guy you mentioned, Jason Fred. Casey Hayward's out there. I don't know a lot yep. about him. I've read some good things about him. They're not they they almost don't seem serious about wanting to improve. But that's I, I think they are, but they just don't have any idea on how to do it. They definitely need to bring in a good veteran backup quarterback, a good veteran ba- uh, backup de- or starting defensive tackle, and a veteran cornerback. And they're going to rely too much on the draft, and that will be a big, big mistake. Yeah. Uh, even if you get Patrick Sertan, Sertan at number 10, doesn't mean he's going to solve your problems at court. He's going to solve your problems at cornerback. Yeah. Um, that's the corner that they've backed themselves into. No unintended <laughs> they are forced at this point to take a cornerback in the first round of the draft yeah. and they claim that oh we we do our best to just take the best player available they have not done their best yeah they have not done their best they could restructure amari cooper they could cut right. a couple more players they could have cut a couple more players it's too late now and mm-hmm. they just have a you know they have a giant mess on their hands on defense defense right. is still a dis- Disaster. Yep. And and you mentioned defensive tackle. A couple, my pet cat from 2018, the, the one guy I liked even more than Michael Gallup. Do you, you remember? you remember who that was? Who we could have had even later than Michael Gallup in the 2018. Uh, uh, Maurice Hurst. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to sign Maurice Hurst. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I don't think he's going to cost much. And look, you know, in general, if you if you put the whole spectrum of like total cheapskate to you know lavish you know overspend on on every well, you know the Patriots we, we talked about this earlier the Patriots to the cheapskate scale I definitely tip closer to the cheapskate scale than the the Patriots this offseason, but we're taking it to a ridiculous extreme where we're signing these guys like Jalen Curse. And, you know, uh, what's the other guy? Carlos Watkins. They're just, they're bodies. They're, they're like, 
just have a seventh rounder at that they don't position. Belong in the NFL. Right, no. it, like like their their training camp bodies and nothing else. Like I know they're not costing much, but they're they're costing roster spots and they're costing something. Like you might as well just pool that money and get a you know a Malcolm Butler for you know maybe a million or two million a year more than the combination of of two scrubs basically. Like you know, look, look at look at the breaking news. They signed Alden Smith. Alden Smith gave them one month of production. For the rest of the year, he might as well have not even been there. Mm. They knew he had problems. According to Mike Fisher, mm-hmm. he had problems beginning they, that they knew of beginning Thanksgiving weekend. They should have traded okay. him to Seattle when they had the offer. They didn't do it. Instead, they held on to him. Yeah. The guy's a turd on and off the field. He's an utter disaster. They couldn't. Yeah. They didn't want to hold on to him. Seattle, for some reason, signed him. Now he's wanted by New Orleans police. Yep. Probably going to get cut. I would imagine. You know, most of the time, when you take these, when you when you when when you you go to buy things in the dollar store, they're worth a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, called the dollar store. Yeah, and, and honestly, he was probably next to Andy Dalton. He was probably our best signing last year. Compared to yeah. the other other guys, well, Zerline. Um, yeah, Greg Zerline, true. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so Maurice Hurst, we could have gotten him, I'm sure, for Penny. I mean, he's still out there, but there's reports that we have no interest in him. Or the guy that I really would have liked because Maurice Hurst, I I know what he is as a player. He's a undersized guy. He's going to rush the passer well, but he's a true three tech, not going to offer a ton in the run game. But Sheldon Richardson is the other guy who got cut by the Browns. That guy is is a all-around player, like just solid guy who's going to play the run very well and offer some pass rush. He's not yeah. he's not a true one tech either, but he I think he has a little more flex, and he, he's just a good player. He's immediately our best defensive tackle we've had yeah. in probably half a decade. Yeah. I need to think about that a little more, but. Again, a guy that we probably could sign for for relatively little, and we just seem to have no interest in. So that well, said, I, I I really don't know if they have the cap space at this point because they have to allot money for the, the, for the draft. rookies. You're right, and they want to have a slush fund, and they are really tight up against the cap, and yet they have these three glaring needs. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to restructure Amari Cooper. That that's what it comes down to. It, it's do you want? Well, they haven't restructured Amari, Jalen, or, or Zeke. And Jalen and Zeke, I understand why. I'm I'm all for not restructuring their contracts. But Amari Cooper, I don't get that one. And and if there's this master plan that we're you know trying to trade him or or get rid of him in a year or two, I guess that makes sense. But I don't totally like that. They, they could have cut Jalen Smith and replaced him with a rookie and had better production. Yeah, I think. And, and getting into the draft, I, I I was initially thinking we'd do a whole episode on linebackers. I, I don't think it's worth diving that far into. But I do want to touch on one particular linebacker that that I actually initially was kind of high on, and I've I've cooled off, precisely because I think he's like, 
he's he's the guy that Jalen Smith is supposed to be, but yeah. but nothing more. And it's Mike Parsons from Penn State, um, who who I I do think is is arguably the best linebacker in the draft. He's a you know a downhill guy. He can probably get off blocks better than than Jalen Smith. He's he's a great athlete and a great blitzer, but there's questions about his ability to cover. And you know Jalen Smith, I, I thought he did okay covering that one season where he was you know actually a, a competent football player. And it's kind of weird to me how. That particular, because that particular skill, co- linebacker coverage, I feel like that should be independent of defensive front. Like I can understand the the you know saying that your defensive tackle is getting pushed five yards off the ball, that's going to make it tougher in run defense. But in pass coverage, that shouldn't matter. And yet he's regressed in that category as well. And Parsons. I don't know if he's that much of an upgrade in in, in coverage. I, I think he'd be better overall than Jalen Smith, but ultimately, I, I don't want a linebacker at, at ten. I think I'm, there's. I'm, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm I'm not high on Micah Parsons. I wasn't high on the linebacker that went was the highest pick last year. I can't remember his name was, but, but the, he didn't have a good year either. The Cardinals guy who was kind of tweener. Or, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember who he went to. I know he didn't have a good season. Yeah. And I'm not generally big on drafting linebackers, at least guys who aren't going to, you know, rush the passer in a three-four right. that that high. Right. But they're, you know, the bottom line is we can talk about whatever we want. They have to take a corner at ten. Right. If Prince Sertain's not there, they're going to take J.C. Horn. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you could forget about – you could just about forget about any of the offensive players. Yeah. If Sanu, if Sanu is there, I think they still have to take Sertan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can, you know – Sewell, not Sanu. Sewell, Sewell. yeah. If, if Panay Sewell falls to 10 and, and Sertan is there – I I would take Sewell, but I wouldn't be. But knowing, you know, this team and knowing what I expect them to do, I I kind of agree with that. And I think Sertan. The thing with Sertan, you said it earlier, and it's very true. You, like, there's no sure thing, and especially at cornerback. Remember last year, Jeff Okuda was as close to a sure thing as they as they come. And he had a terrible year in Detroit. Um, I think some of that was injury. I'd expect him to, you know, at least become a competent player. Um, but, but yeah, there's there's no sure things. Cornerback is a very tough position. I feel like to to predict year to year because it fluctuates way more dramatically. I think than any other position, and it, it's a position that I feel like the Compared to like rushers, either ends or defensive tackles, it's one where where the the PFF grading system I think does a good job of 
analyzing how the player did that particular year, but it's far less predictive than than p- pass rushing. You know, a guy like and and that's my thing with Demarcus Lawrence is he's he's always even though his sacks fluctuate, his pressure rate is always really high, and that historically is a good predictor of future sacks. Whereas with cornerback, you can have a guy who's the best in the league one year, and then he's he just falls off the face of the earth. And I think part of it is is scheme, and part of it is just the, the nature of the position. You know, a perfect throw, and all the rules go against it. Um, and you know, you could still be a good player, and you know, it looks like you ha- don't have as good of a year, but. I say all that to say I do think Patrick Sertan is the one guy that I I would feel pretty good about rolling in as a day one starter from this draft. I think he, I do think he's got the highest floor of any cornerback prospect I've seen and I think he's as he's he's as disciplined and as as patient as any cornerback I've I've ever seen. Um, I've gone back and forth I I've so for my big board for, for the 10th pick, I've got Panay Sewell still number one, Patrick Sertan number two, um, Kyle Pitts three, Jamar Chase four. And I may I may swap this, but then I've got Waddle and then Horn as, as six. But Horn, J.C. Horn, a lot of Cowboys fans love him. And I understand why, I, I think, but... To me, unless Dan Quinn is is gonna is really serious about tailoring the whole defense around his players' skill set, I I don't see him doing well because he's he's so one dimensional in this in scheme. I feel like he he's a great press man corner, and if you if that's what he's playing almost all the time, I think he's he's a great player. You might get a little grabby and get penalized sometimes, but beyond that, I, I think you're fine. But he he went up against Devontae Smith, who's an NFL caliber route runner in, in 2019, and he got torched. I, I watched the game film of that where it's I, I don't like watching highlights, but I do like watching where it shows every snap uh between you know two players. And Devontae Smith ate his lunch. He, he was basically open every time that, that you know, he was targeted. Um, and, you know, you're going to face nuanced run route runners in the NFL. Unless he gets his hands on guys, he just doesn't have that change of direction that Patrick Sertan does. So I, I, would, I wouldn't dislike, I mean, those, those six guys and even Rashawn Slater, I think those seven, any of them I'd be okay with at the 10th pick. But really, Patrick Sertan, I think that, that's that got to be... that That's the one that I, I want the most, by far. And um, I, I, I think he will be there at 10, but we'll, we will see. I think there's... You know the Panthers are probably either the Panthers or, or a team that trades up is going to be the biggest threat to us ending up with Patrick Sertan. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my my board. Um, if we do get Patrick Sertan, I mean, I, I think we 
can feel pretty good about cornerback. If we don't, in a scenario where either he's gone or say we get like a Panay Sewell, I think then you, you're kind of forced to double up. And there's there's guys, you know, we've talked about the corner class. There's guys that I like and, and um, that could be good, but no one that I feel confident in starting day one. And, and at that point, if you can't get Sertan, I feel like you just got to throw, you know, darts basically. And, you know, if you get a second and a third rounder or something like that, you know, maybe those are decent darts and, and you don't feel as bad about it. But like I said, Sertan's the only guy that picked that one player and you feel good about. I, I At least I'd feel good about that Well, position. you know, what they're doing is what we've talked about is they're, they're putting a lot on the return of Dak Prescott and they're putting a yeah. lot on the fact that they've replaced Mike Nolan and those two things are not going to make them a championship team. Uh, probably won't even make them a playoff team because their defense is just too much of a mess. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They could bring in uh, Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick at this point and with the talent or lack thereof on defense. They, uh, they're not going anywhere, and they've been too, too foolish to fill in the gaps in free agency and you know, they might get a couple players that help in uh, the draft but it won't be enough yeah it won't be enough it'll be another another year of mediocrity or, or something less than mediocrity in Dallas there's no changing the Dallas Cowboys there's no there's no hope the only hope is that they get lucky, which could happen because there's a lot of luck yeah. in professional football. Absolutely. But there's no hope. Not until Jerry Jones and Steven Jones, the whole Jones family is out of the picture. Somebody else buys the team, and I don't see that happening for a long time. This is yeah. a toy for them. Yeah. This is this is what they toy. You know, like a little kid. The hardest thing to do with a little baby or a little kid is to get their favorite toy away from them. It doesn't matter what they're doing with it. They could be wrecking the house. They could have no idea how to use it, but it's just damn near impossible to get it away from them. And it's the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's what most of their fans don't understand. You know, you've got probably the worst fan base in football in terms of understanding the game and being honest about the team. And that just enables Jerry. And it's nothing we haven't said before, but it does. it is worth repeating because you have these people people taking advantage of the situation, whether it be the media or fans, but when you have people like Mike Fisher who are out there reporting the new, you know, reporting that I've got, it's always an exclusive exclusive with Mike Fisher, okay? Yeah. And the, the bottom line is that you're much better off talking, listening to Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp because they'll tell you that the Dallas Cowboys are a rotten organization and that you shouldn't expect anything from them because they're not beholden to Jerry Jones for access and for information like a Mike Fisher is. He is an embedded journalist. There's a lot of them, okay? And they use you know, sort of uh, often subtle propaganda like Mike Fisher is right now. I've got an exclusive. 
I've got an exclusive, I've got an exclusive. You've got an exclusive about cow shit. That's what you've got an exclusive about. So what is so exciting about that? You've got an exclusive about cow shit, okay? If we lived in, I don't know, Cleveland 10 years ago, would we give a shit about any exclusive? No, we wouldn't, right? We shouldn't care about exclusives with the Dallas Cowboys because they simply don't matter. None of this matters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the one nice thing is is we can't we literally can't go eight and eight because it's a seventeen game schedule. But um, bring yeah, Jason I mean, Garrett back, he'll find a way. Yeah, right. Eight eight and one. There you go. Yeah. Um, but but no, I mean we're definitely at least right now we're on a path to yeah probably seven to nine wins, and I I do think there's a Pat, I, I, you know, I feel good about Dan Quinn if we can get him a competent defense, which seems unlikely. But I, I do think he'll be better than than Mike Nolan, and that'll give us I would be some boost. Than Mike Nolan. Still, something. Um, grandmother would be better than Mike Nolan. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, I think there's in a if we are perfect in the draft. That that's that's kind of what I've I've said since Dak signed is like that's what this comes oh, down to happened. now. We we know our free agency style. It means we just oh, have man. to have drafts like last year every oh, year. Man. Which is un yeah, unlikely, but you know, we'll see. I I think right now I I was looking at <laughs> Uh, there's there's this guy on on Twitter who I kind of like. He's a Cowboys fan and a big stats guy, and but he he is a little bit of a of an over optimist. I think what it comes down to with him is he view. I think he views Dak Prescott more highly than most, definitely than me, because of his EPA, expected points um, added. Which is a stat that, you know, it's an advanced stat. It's I I think it's a better statistic than passer rating, for example. But I don't I don't weigh it as heavily as as PFF's numbers. And but but by EPA, Dak's been like the top three or four quarterback. I think the last two years. And, and by his record, he's been less than five hundred the last two years. Right. But but even you know just isolating him as a player, I mean I think. I don't think he's he's that good, and this guy seems to think that Dak is good enough to there, overcome a lot. Basically, there are a lot of people out there who who will do anything to get hits and to get attention in this age of cyber media. Uh, you don't have any filters out there. You don't have editors. You don't have publishers. You don't have peers, really. Um, so as long as you can get people's attention, you can make money and you can make a name for yourself. It's all about grabbing attention. So any idiot can go out there like Jerry, Joey Ickes or whatever his name is, the guy that wanted Earl Thomas and Jamal yeah, Adams right. <laughs> and Darren Woodson was going to come back. He wanted him to come back, I think. And you, you can go out there and you can get that kind of thing. And um, – that that's that's really what it's it, it's come to is you, you've got all these uh, 
publicity hounds out there and they get talked about and they really should just be ignored yeah and and i don't think he's as bad as you know mike fisher i i do i will say he he's actually i think he's part of one of these cowboys facebook groups and he'll post his articles in it and they're such clickbait the the article titles it's um but yeah i i get it that's the that's the way of he doesn't want that. to come out and say that Jerry Jones and the Jones family doesn't have any idea what it's doing. Yeah. Okay, which is a truism. It's a truism. There's no arguing it. It's a truism. Yeah. Okay? I don't hear him coming out saying it. I hear Skip Bayless saying it. I hear Mike Fisher going on literally a half-hour rant against Skip Bayless. Hey, Skip Bayless is probably a dirtbag. All right? I don't deny that. Don't deny that the guy probably doesn't have many scruples. But you know what? He often delivers the, mo- the more, more, most fearless, honest critiques of the Dallas Cowboys than just about anybody else I out there. He screws up a lot. Okay, he does screw up. He does BS. Okay. But when he's on his game, he's really on his game. And the same thing is true with Shannon Sharp. Yeah. And... There's what's happened is you got people like Mike Fisher who I think they have, might have legitimate personal gripes with Skip Bayless, um, but they're also There's very jealous. Of, there's a lot of professional jealousy out there because mm-hmm. Bayless has made it to the top of the mountain. Oh yeah, he's making a lot, a lot more money than than Mike Fisher for sure. Um, and, and, and I like Skip Bayless as a person. I really don't think Skip Bayless. I think Skip Bayless is a. a a dirty player and will do whatever it takes for Skip Bayless to get ahead. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't often do a good job because he's not embedded. He's not trying to suck Jerry Jones's ass. Jerry Jones hates his guts. Jerry Jones will never talk to him. Jimmy Johnson won't talk to him. Okay. It's a good thing when powerful people hate you because it means you've been getting under their skin probably by doing something at least partially honest yeah i don't know i i think part of it is is he just stir up shit like the troy aikman being gay rumor and you know i i i do think he's the loudest he's got the biggest platform and the loudest microphone of the people that that are you know critical of jerry jones but he he's certainly not the only one And, and i don't think he's even like I don't know. I I don't. Who else is going after Jerry Jones? I, I think plenty of fans do. It's it's of the oh, of the yeah. big name people though. He's Why? probably. But I but I I don't know. I, I try to tune out pretty much every big name. Like you know. The only people who do a decent job are the Dallas Morning News. Okay. And they've been doing a good job for a long time. The story goes that they broke the Everett MacGyver story. Jerry Jones absolutely went crazy, pulled all his advertising from the Dallas Morning News. Wow. But you know, from what I've seen, and I don't want to pretend to have studied them in depth, but they seem to do uh, a, a pretty decent job of covering the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But you know, we get onto these tangents <laughs> where well, this guy said this, and this guy said that, and you know, th- this lady said this. Well, okay, but you know, 
We're missing the forest for the trees here. There's a bigger story here. And that is that Mike Fisher can have all the exclusives he wants. It's a subtle way of building up attention and getting people to pay attention to Dallas Cowboys and to think more of them than, than they should. Yep. And I'm tired. This has been 25 years, 25 years. It's yep. a lifetime for a lot of people. Yeah. Of shit. Yeah. Of shit. They can't even make the goddamn conference game. Right. And they can't. No. They, they don't even look like. It, it, what I was going off with the this this Cowboys stats guy is I, I told him I thought at the time Washington should be the favorite to win the division. And he said, you know, there there are betting polls that'll take your money or something like that. And, it, and it's true that there we are favored to win the division right now. But unless we really nail the draft, like I would, I, I don't know enough about professional betting to say anything definitive. But I would take that bet that Washington will win the division over us. I I mean Philadelphia or, or New York, I don't. I don't feel too confident in either of them, but New York could do it. New York, New York could Washington and then New York. I would put ahead of us. I don't, I don't know if I can buy the Giants, but it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. The yeah, the Eagles would be kind of a shocker with Jalen Hurts, but yeah, the, the Giants wouldn't shock me, and, and yeah, the Redskins a hundred percent are a better team what than we are if that right now. Prescott gets hurt again. We got Garrett Gilbert, <laughs> my old my old classmate. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we're we're down the drain again. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and even with with Dak Prescott, I, I I mean we're paying him to be the guy that elevates a inferior team over a team like the Redskins or the Washington Football Team. Um, that's what we're paying him to be. Doesn't matter. You know who's your supporting cast? You're the forty-two million dollar quarterback. Make it work. That—that's basically what his contract is is saying. And you know, I hope he's that good. I'm hope I hope he's as good as as Cowboy Stats thinks he is. Um, tougher, but tougher. I don't know. Looks like a tougher schedule this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll. Yeah, they, they uh, haven't released. The, a, last year we played in a division that was just awful. Right, right, and I, I think, think it's going to be improved. I I would expect it'll be a little improved at least. Definitely, Washington will be better, and and I think the Giants will be better at least. I don't know if they'll be better than we are, um, but they they should be a little better. And the Eagles, eh, I don't know, but um, yeah, I I think it'll be. I I mean, look, I don't think the schedule. I, I could I'll look at it again, but. It's not going to be – if our defense sucks, if we're as bad or even close to as bad as last year, it doesn't matter who's on the schedule. It doesn't matter if it's the easiest schedule in the league. We're still going to be a nine-win team at best. And if our defense is competent and you know even middle of the pack, I think we're good enough offensively to be pretty competitive. But – as of right now, I don't think our defense is that much better, even with Dan Quinn. Um, well, what about Carlos Watkins? <laughs> game changer, right there. Just need the right scheme. Now he's going to be—he's uh, going to be an All-Pro. 
back in the four three. Yep, yep. <laughs> from from one league worst defensive interior to to the next. That's uh, Carlos oh, Watkins. I mean, it's, it's, they're just a joke. Yeah, they're just they're just a joke. I I think it was Ian Rappaport who said today that he was talking to a scout that said that he thought this was the worst defensive tackle class he'd ever seen, which is pretty in line with, with what I've, what I've heard. Um, I do think there, I mean, that's a position that I kind of, unless you're getting a Lynn McNeil or, or Christian Barmore, who I don't think is going to be, I don't I don't see that one happening. Olympic McNeil, I think, in the second round could happen. He could be available. But after that, I think that's another one where you're just throwing a couple darts. You, you get a third rounder and a fourth rounder, and, you know, you kind of hope for the best. Uh, you know, the good, thing, the good thing is that we're so bad at that position that, you know, you don't need to be that good to be an upgrade. But... I do feel like there, there's there's some influence between the two spots, the three tech and the one tech. If you've got one guy like Neville Gallimore, for example, I, I think that if if we had a really strong one tech across from him, he probably would have done at least a little better last year. I, I was relooking at some of his sky, scouting reports recently and. It definitely matches up with his performance. In college, he was, you know, he's a high motor guy, but he's kind of inconsistent on his on his production. So, I don't know how big of a difference it would have made, but I definitely think it makes some difference. Just like you know, the the linebacker play is affected by the defensive tackle. I think one defensive tackle will affect the other the other guy. And so, so what are they gonna what are they gonna do here in the draft are they gonna go corner it looks like they're, they're they gonna gotta go corner, corner at 10 round yeah. one. and what are they gonna go defensive tackle in round two my guess is they well there's been talks about marvin wilson at 44 which i think is a little bit of a reach but i mean again he he would be an upgrade over who we've we've got i think um so that's one option i think defensive uh or, I mean, def- I haven't heard much about us looking at defensive ends. So that's a possibility. But I think realistically, safety, there, there's, we've definitely been looking at some of the safeties. And a lot of the safeties have expressed interest. Or Darius Washington expressed interest in playing for the Cowboys. I, I kind of like him. He's he's one of these guys where he everything is good about him except his height. He's, he's a small guy, but... You know, could be like a Bob Sanders, Tyron Matthew type, but yeah, I, I could see a safety, and then I I do think we I do think we'll get a, a defensive tackle at some point, but my guess is unless it's Marvin Wilson at forty four, then it'll probably I I don't think we'll get a Lynn McNeil as much as I like him. My guess is because you, you made this point the other other week about parameters that you have and and one of them was going to a big name college and i think i do think the cowboys have that and ellen mcneil didn't go to a very big college marvin wilson did um 
So I, I think that all but eliminates him. So I would guess, unless it's Marvin Wilson, we'll probably go defensive tackle in the third and or fourth round. Um, I, I would expect us to go linebacker in that range as well. And then maybe safety at 44. There are a couple good safety options at linebacker. 44. Well, well, linebacker. Um, yeah, they're, we're paying our... They're, they're, they're settling for Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch. I mean, that's probably, probably true. I, I would hope if we saw good value, we would take one for competition. I mean, we did bring, we brought in Keanu Neal, who by all accounts is expected to be more linebacker than anything. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my guess is that, you know, we go cornerback the first round, second round. I, I think it's either Marvin Wilson or a safety, maybe an offensive lineman. I wouldn't just, you know, throw that out. I do think that this is a good draft. And one of the reasons I'm not crazy about Rashawn Slater, who's who's someone that a lot of people are projecting us to get at, at 10. I'm not, I think he's a good player. I think he would, he's better fit for guard. But as a tackle, I think he'd be solid, but not great. And I think in this draft in particular, you can get a good tackle in the second or third round this this offensive tackle class is reminds me a little of last year's cornerback class where you kind of knew you were going to have some some guys that should have gone in the first go in the second and we you know we drafted one of them so i could see an offensive tackle dropping to 44 and and that being a pick um but yeah I, i would guess Marvin Wilson, offensive tackle or safety at 44. And then in the third, fourth, and on, that's when we go at linebacker, defensive tackle. If we don't get Marvin Wilson, um, maybe a wide receiver. My prediction is that unless there are trades, and this could very well happen, unless there are trades where teams trade up into the top 10, uh, Patrick Sertan will be off the board. And the Cowboys will stay at number ten and take JC Horn. Yeah, I my gut says he will be there. I, I think there's going to be there's going to be five. I, I would expect five quarterbacks to go before us, and then I think it'll come down to the the Carolina Panthers. And I I could see them trading down. I could see. I think that the Broncos at number nine will, will definitely take a quarterback. Um, but I could see the, I could see a trade up or, or in either the sixth spot where the dolphins are, maybe the Broncos trade up there or the Panthers. I could see them trading down with a team like new England who trades to jump ahead of Denver to pick a quarterback. So uh, because because Carolina has so many holes, I don't think they're going to draft Sertan that high. I, I think um, pretty much every draft publication I've seen has Sertan in the like ten to thirteen range. It's all all very similar, um, but 
yeah, I think for a team like that, I don't think they'll take it, but him. But that that's the one team that I'm I'd be worried about. Um, but yeah, if, if we pass on if he gets taken and we get J.C. Horn, you know, I'm not I'm not going to hate it. Um, really, really, the only picks that I would really be upset about would be like a defensive end or something like that, like Quiddy Pay, um, Greg Rousseau. That's that's the worst case, but. Um, but yeah, J.C. Horn, I I wouldn't love it as much as Patrick Sertan, certainly, but it, he fills a hole, and I would hope that Dan Quinn would, you know, try to tailor the defense around his his skill set because he definitely does have great press man traits, and and he's a, he's a good athlete, but I, I worry about him in certain situations, so. Yeah, if, I think either guy, if, if that's the pick at 10, then, you know, no need to really focus on cornerback further. Although, if there's a guy that's available, I, you know, I would certainly, certainly wouldn't pass on one. There's, I think I've mentioned him, but Tay Cowan, I think his name is, from like Central Florida. He's a guy that I, I kind of like. I, I think he realistically should be like a third or fourth round pick but in dane brugler's draft guide who who dane brugler i will say he's pretty good he's about of all the publications i look at he's about as good as there is about gauging the nfl's interest in players not necessarily getting it getting it right but and, and he has this guy going undrafted so we get him in like the six or seven i think that would be great value but i i do think if if we don't get a cornerback at number 10 that puts us in a in a really dicey spot where i think then you're at, you know you might need to trade into the first round to get someone that you like if yeah. you're sitting there at 44 i could see um you know, like the best players available being like an Eric Stokes and, and Tyson Campbell who are not like they're good athletes, but they're not pro ready in, in any any sense of the, the word, in my in my opinion. Um and and that would be you know, maybe a guy like like I like Greg Newsom. If we traded down, I he's a guy I would target in like the twenties and, and if somehow he fell to forty four, I think that would be a really good pick. Um, I like Asante Samuel Jr. I just don't think Dan Quinn will like Asante Samuel Jr. because of his height. Um, but I would I would be fine with Asante Samuel at pick forty four. But um, but yeah, I feel like those four. You know, I could see Asante Samuel, but I think you know, obviously Sertan, obviously J.C. Horn, almost certainly Greg Newsom. I would think Caleb Farley, and even if Caleb Farley's there at 44, I don't feel great about him as a standalone option because of his injuries. I think you could you could take Caleb Farley, but then you got to kind of double dip um, if you want to feel feel really confident in the position, which kind of almost defeats the purpose. I feel like of taking a guy that high. So yeah, definitely. All signs point to cornerback at ten. I think that's the clear and obvious move. And 
um, you know, hopefully that's the direction we go. And, and we have the availability to pick one of the two top guys, it seems like. So, yeah, I think that'll um, do it for this week. I think our my, my plan for next week is we'll do, like we did last year, we'll do a, a live, or I guess live to us recorded for those listening to this, uh, mock draft and kind of break down our, our thought process of the, the players on the board and, and the picks. Um, so definitely tune in for that. But um, yeah, until, until next week, we'll, uh, we'll sign off on this one.